Several weeks ago, I received a dreaded letter in the mail you never want to get. It was from our neighborhood HOA telling me that our trees were dead and I needed to remove them. And if I didn't, there'd be certain consequences that would come with it. And I thought, surely not. It's not dead. I can bring it back to life. And I kind of went and pushed on them a little bit and they both just cracked pretty easily. And maybe they're right. I wanted something extremely low maintenance. Like if I happen to forget to water, it'll probably be okay. And so I got, I wanted something with the name Colorado in it. And I thought, Colorado spruce. If I get a Colorado spruce, that's got to be good. It's got to be low maintenance. And so I went, found a Colorado spruce, got it home, looked at the tag a little closer, and realized it's from Oregon. Right? <laughs> in Colorado, Colorado spruce came from Oregon. I don't understand that. But I did everything they told me to do. Dug an enormous hole, like half a day worth of digging. Uh, you know, fertilizer, soil, native soil, good soil. I mean, just did everything I could, just trying to make this thing take, and hopefully it does. Uh, if it doesn't, I think I may be done with trees, and then I'll probably get another letter from the HOA saying, you need more trees <laughs> in your yard. <clears throat> but uh, the image of the tree, young tree, planted tree, growing tree, this is a helpful image, I think, for as we think about our church's mission as we think about our church's vision, uh, j just like that tree, our mission, our vision, our hope is that we develop deep roots. And our hope is that we grow. And that we grow to such an extent that we actually make an impact where God has placed us. And so if you are kind of like a young tree, you know what? We, we, our hope for you, our goal for you is we want you to develop some roots and be able to make it uh, through a winter, through a summer. If you're, if, you're an, if you're like an established tree and you got some roots, we say, that's wonderful. We want, we want Vista Grande to be a place where you keep growing, keep getting equipped so that you can make a significant, lasting impact uh, for Christ. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We are taking a one-week break from the Gospel of Mark. We're looking at our mission statement. I like to do this at least once a year, and uh, we're going to do it today. So if you would, please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 2 is a fascinating passage. Luke is giving us a description of the very first church. So it's almost like we're getting to look through a window and just get to see who they were, what they did, what they valued. And I think we can learn something from this. So this is Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 42 through 47. And this is the very inspired Word of God. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the work that you did among this first church. We are here today because of what you did supernaturally through this small group. And Father, we're grateful for the work you are doing among us. We see your hand. We see you working among us, and we're grateful for that. And I pray for our church. I pray we would be a church that would continue to, to develop deep roots 
so that we might make a lasting impact on our neighborhoods, in Colorado Springs, and to the ends of the earth. For your glory, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the, the first part of our mission statement, you'll notice, is making disciples. If you, if you said, just give me two words, what, is, what are you about? This is it. We're about making disciples. If you're not a disciple, we want to help you become a disciple. If you are a disciple, we say that's wonderful. We celebrate with you. We want to help you grow as a disciple. Where do we get this? Did we just make this up? Of course not. We got it from Jesus, the, the, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. That's the main command. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what I love about our mission statement is it spells out the process. How do we do that? What does that look like at our church? Well, it involves four key elements. We make disciples by encouraging them, equipping them to worship, connect, serve, and impact. So our hope is if you're not worshiping, we want you to take the next step and start worshiping with us. You're here this morning, so you're already doing step one. Way to go, right? You're a disciple who's worshiping. I'm assuming you're a disciple who is worshiping. If you're worshiping with us, we say, that's wonderful. We're so glad. But we want you to take the next step. We want you to get connected with a smaller group of people here at Vista Grande Baptist Church. And if you say, I'm already doing that, we say, that's wonderful. We want to help you take the next step, which is serving, finding some area of service here in the church where you're giving your time, your energy, and you're serving God's people. You say, well, I'm already doing that. Wonderful. We want to help you take the next step which is impacting, which is really when you leave this campus and you make an impact for Christ right where he has you. And if you say, I'm already doing that, we say, that is wonderful. We're really glad you're here. And we want to help you keep growing so you go deeper and more faithful in worshiping, connecting, serving, and impacting. This is, this is it. Some, this is our process. It's our strategy. We want to help you along this continuum. It's also our vision. Some people will ask me, what's your vision for the church? And I'm, I'm never 100% sure what they mean by that, but I always answer like this. Our vision for the church is we want to see the church full of people who are growing in Christ. And we believe that involves worshiping, connecting, serving, and impacting. We want to see everybody doing all of those. And if, they're, if everybody's doing them all, we want to see everybody going deeper in them. I'm not personally overly concerned with, do we do this ministry or that ministry? Do we use this curriculum or that curriculum? Do we meet on this place or that place? Those are important questions, and we got to figure it out because there's strategy. But the key, at the end of the day, are we making disciples who worship, connect, serve, and impact? This is extremely biblical. Let me just highlight one example. Ephesians 4, 11-13, Paul says, God gave the church pastors and teachers in order to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. So that's what we're about. It's very simple. We just want to equip you as a church together to grow in Christ. And we believe there's four expectations that we have that if you'll meet these four expectations, you will be well on your way to growing as a disciple. The first expectation is worship. Notice the two symbols, the two arrows pointing upward. Uh, What is worship? In one sense, everything we do is supposed to be worship. Like all of life, God created everything and its ultimate purpose is to worship him. 
But when we use the word worship here in our mission statement, we are using it in a very specific way. We mean gathered corporate worship that happens on Sunday mornings. So in other words, what we're doing right now. This is what we mean by worship. Gathered at our church, it's 9 o'clock and 10.30, mountain time, at 86.50 Stetson Hills. And for those who can't be here, they're online at 10.30. Uh, this, is, this is when the corporate gathered worship happens for us at our particular church. And uh, notice that the early church was committed to gathering for worship. Look at verse 46. Day by day, attending the temple together. Verse 47, praising God. This is clearly a mark and an expectation for Christians in the Bible, that they gather regularly for corporate worship. Another example, Ephesians 5.19, Paul says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So singing is actually one of the key elements of what we do when we gather for worship. We don't just sing because we're trying to fill a little time. You know, we got 10 minutes. Anybody know a good hymn? You know, we're doing some, we're being intentional. We are intentionally trying to obey the scriptures, which tell us to sing to one another. We're just trying to be faithful to scripture. This, by the way, is one of the reasons why we often, we pick songs that are relatively easy to sing, that are congregational in nature, that the congregation can sing. It's why we don't turn the volume all the way up. So we can hear one another. We think it's very important to hear each other singing. And you're not just here for like a concert or something. To, to hear somebody else sing and somebody else play, we are here to sing to one another. It's also why the words that we sing are so important. Uh, they're, they're educational in nature. They're teaching us something. They're discipling us. We are discipling each other as we sing songs to one another, teaching truth to a melody, so therefore it's, it's actually easier to remember because it's got a nice melody to it and, and, and memorable song. So the worship is centered around God's word. I want you to notice that the worship was centered around God's word for this early church. Look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It was the apostolic teaching that was central to their worship. This, by the way, is why preaching is central to the worship service. With no preaching, no worship service. Preaching, God's word, is central to worship. This is why we uh, value expository preaching. What is expository preaching? It's a fancy word. It just simply means we want to expose the text. So that's why we always have a text and we read it. It's important. We're reading the text. This is our text. And then what do we do? What do I do? All I do is explain it. This is what it means. This is what it says. This is what difference it makes. And then you apply it. This is how we live differently in light of it. That is central to worship. That is central to discipleship. This is why the sermon is aimed for God's people. The sermon is aimed for the church. The sermon is aimed for believers. This, by the way, is a distinctive of our church. We don't view the worship service as being this place where we try to get a bunch of people to come and we try to make it real attractive and then we hope maybe somewhere down the road we'll disciple them, you know, on Wednesday, for example. Now, this is where discipleship starts, right here in corporate worship, expository preaching. Very crucial. It's a unique, it's a distinctive of our church. It didn't used to be a distinctive of churches to view worship this way. It didn't used to be a distinctive of churches to view preaching this way. I would argue that today it is a distinctive and it's a unique feature of our church. So our expectation and our hope is that you will 
worship with us regularly because we believe this is a crucial part of your discipleship. We don't just want this because we want a bunch of people here. We don't just want this because we want big numbers. We want this because we believe this is crucial, crucial for you to grow as a disciple that you worship regularly with God's people. We understand there's going to be times when you can't be here, you're sick, you're out of town, you're traveling. There's going to be seasons of life where people can't be here. We understand that. Um, One of the reasons why I'm grateful that we have the online option at 1030, so those who just can't be here uh, for various reasons are able to still participate, and we understand that. Um, but, But we believe worshiping is crucial. This is one of the reasons why we we don't want you to come to, to the campus on Sunday morning and serve and not worship. So if you're doing that, if you're serving so much that you're unable to worship, that's not a healthy thing for you. So come talk to us. We want to free you up so that the serving is not preventing you from worshiping. Why? Once again, is it because we want a bunch of people in here? No. It's because we believe that's how crucial corporate worship is for you, to be under preaching God's Word worshiping regularly. It's a key part of your discipleship. If we hypothetically had to only do one thing as a church, if we hypothetically had to make the difficult decision, we can do nothing else but one thing, what are we going to do? Our answer would be pretty simple, pretty easy. We're going to corporate worship. And uh, this is how important it is for your discipleship. So, first of all, we want to make disciples who worship. Secondly, The second expectation is that you connect. Notice the two arrows pointing toward each other. Uh, Connecting is where authentic relationships happen. This is where you get to know other people. You know their name. They know your name. You're praying for them. They're praying for you. You're sharing prayer requests. you're, You're in God's word together. You're applying it to each other. You're holding each other accountable. This is what we mean by connecting. And and I want you to notice that the early church was committed to this. Look at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, or the koinonia, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So they devoted themselves to fellowship. See, we hear the word fellowship, and if you're like me, I often just think sort of like a meal you go to. You know, you just kind of sit there and potluck meal, and and, uh, it's kind of passive. You know, you might talk about this, you might talk about that. It's just kind of hanging out together. And by the way, that's wonderful to just hang out together and just have a meal and enjoy each other's company. That's that's an important part of it. But this is saying more. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to each other's lives. They were involved in each other's lives. They didn't just get together and have a meal and talk about the weather. They, They were involved. They were intentional. Verse 46, they were breaking bread in their homes. They were in one another's homes on a daily basis. Where does connecting happen at Vista Grande? Well, first of all, we hope it happens organically, naturally. We hope it just happens in the hallways as we come and go. Uh, But we also, it's important enough for us to carve out certain times and say, this is when we're going to connect. This is when we're going to encourage people to connect. And at our church, the primary place where we want you to connect and where we hope you connect is in our Sunday school classes. Sunday school is another word for a small group of people that meets on Sunday mornings at the church campus. And at our church, we do that on Sunday mornings. We do it at 9 and 1030. At the same time, we offer worship. This is a high priority for us. 
Uh, we have something like 75% of our people who worship with us also are connected in a Sunday school class. And that also is a distinctive of our church. You won't find many churches that have 75% of the people going to Sunday school. We celebrate that. And we want to see that number get even higher. We want to see that number become 100%. We want 100% of people who worship with us involved, connected with a small group in Sunday school. Um, if you're not involved in one and you want more information, we have these two really large sheets. And they are located out on the welcome desk. And one of them is a map of the building and it tells you all the different classes and the classroom number and the teacher and what time they meet. And this piece of paper gives you a description of all the classes. And so I would strongly encourage you to stop by, pick up one or two of these and uh, check out a Sunday school class. Uh, this is, a, this is a, 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 an expectation that we have. You know, I've been meeting with our property development committee. It's a committee that's tasked with considering our next steps for building. And we've realized, we've come to the conclusion, we, we have to do both worship space and Sunday school space or education space. We, we can't sort of choose one or the other because if we have more people worshiping, we're going to have more people who are involved in Sunday school. And if we have more people involved in Sunday school, we're going to have more people worshiping. And so it's, it's, it's just a part of who we are. It's a part of our DNA. It's a distinctive of our church. Um, we're not saying that there's something magical about meeting on Sunday mornings at the campus. Uh, but, but, it, but I will say it's very practical and it makes a lot of sense. You're already here to worship. Your kids are already here. We've got kids ministries in place. It makes sense. It's, it's, it's practical that we would meet for worship and we would meet for connecting and we can do it on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is very important to us as a church. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we do have other options for getting connected with God's people throughout the week at other times. Uh, on Sunday evenings, we are offering discipleship training classes, Bible studies. On Wednesday evenings, I'm going to resume teaching a class, a Bible study, uh, at the same time that we have Awanas and youth ministry going on. We have ladies' Bible studies. We have men's Bible studies. We have lots of options for getting connected. And we're grateful for that. We also have a lot of Sunday school classes that get together and connect throughout the week in each other's homes, fellowships, and we think that's wonderful. We say, way to go, keep going. We love that. If you are newer to our church and you say, where do I even start? You know, um, we are offering our Discovering VGBC class. This is a class for people who are new to our church. You can learn who we are, ministries we offer, what we believe, and I believe this is going to happen on August 29th. Uh, look for more details on that, but you can come, you can hear, and then we have a lunch following. Um, I have seen a common pattern throughout my years of ministry where people who don't get connected in a smaller group, uh, but they're connected to the church, something will happen. There'll be a tragedy in their life, a pandemic will hit, something will happen, and they'll say, nobody cares, nobody reached out, nobody's praying for me, I, I'm not... And the church isn't being the church for me. And it's oftentimes because that person was never connected in a group of people. And so there wasn't a smaller group of people to know or be aware that the person was going through this or that. And so I want to encourage you now, get connected. It'll be a lifeline for you when you need it. And when that tragedy comes for you and you need those folks praying for you and coming around you and perhaps offering meals for you. So my recommendation would be Go visit as many Sunday school classes as you want and then go with the one that seems like the best fit. And by the way, none of them are perfect. 
because they're filled with people who are imperfect. And if you join them, they're going to also still be imperfect, right? And so you got to go in with that mentality. Like, it's not perfect. This first church wasn't perfect. It was filled with people who were annoying, right? And so you got to know that. Sometimes people come up to me and they'll say, I visited every church in Colorado Springs, and none of them are good. We can't find anyone that's good for us. And sometimes I'll say it, sometimes I'll think it. That probably says a lot more about you than it does the churches in Colorado Springs, right? That told me a lot about you. Let me tell you about a good church down the road you need to go check out. (laughs) But I hear the same kind of thing with Sunday school. Boy, I visited them all, and none of them are good. You know, that kind of tells me more about you than it does about them, because we have some good Sunday school classes with really quality people in them. And that's, what's, that's what it's all about. This is a key part of discipleship, that you get connected with God's people. Third, our next expectation is serving. Notice the two arrows pointing downward. Uh, we use this word serving very specifically. Um, we, you know, you could hypothetically serve someone out in the community, and we celebrate that and say, way to go. We would call that impacting. So we use the word serving to describe the ministry that you have toward people at Vista Grande Baptist Church. So serving is when you use your talents, resources, gifts, training, education, and you minister to and bless people here at Vista Grande. I want you to notice the first church valued serving one another. Look at verses 44 and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And flip over to Acts chapter 4. I just want to show you one more brief description of how they served one another. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. So notice they were like a family. They weren't just merely friends. They didn't just merely get together to hang out. They didn't merely get together to have Bible study, though they did that. They didn't merely get together to hear preaching, though they did that. They didn't merely get together to fellowship, though they did that. They gathered together for the purpose of meeting one another's needs. Like, I'm here to meet with you in order to serve you. How can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I bless you? How can I minister to you? That was the mentality. And so we have this somewhat radical expectation, but it's just biblical, so we don't know what else to do. We have this crazy expectation that you would take your time, your energy, your gifting, your resources, and you would bring it in order to bless God's people at Vista Grande Baptist Church. And we don't just expect this because we have needs that need to be met. We're not saying it from like a selfish perspective. Like we have all these needs. We really need you. We're saying it like, do you want to grow as a disciple? We believe this is important for you and your growth as a disciple, that you find some area in the church so you're serving God's people. I look around and I see people serving all over the place. Uh, Let me just mention several people on Sunday morning who are serving. This is once again, just Sunday morning. We have people who are teaching Sunday school classes. We have people who are working with kids. We have people who are working with youth. We have people who are working in the nursery. We have people who are ushering. We have people who are working our online streaming 
ministry, which has been really important over the past couple of years, and we're very grateful for them. They've served our church in a way that was very important, and they still continue. Uh, we have people running sound, we have people running PowerPoint, people running lights, people uh, who are musicians, playing, orchestra, we have choir, we have people who give financially, sacrificially, regularly, faithfully, which allows us to keep the doors open and uh, do the ministry and, and pay, pay people who can serve as ministers and staff. It's a very important uh, that you serve the church through financial giving. Uh, we have people who serve on committees, people who serve as deacons, and we, I just want to say we have people who serve in ways we don't even know about, praying for the church, uh, providing meals when those needs arise. Uh, we don't expect you to do everything. I just listed all things that are happening on Sunday morning. We, you can't do everything. We don't expect you to do everything. We do hope that you at least just feel, that you feel some sense of ownership, like you, some sense of obligation. You know, that at some level, it's, it's, it, you, you feel the weight of a commitment that you have to serve God's people. At this, I think that's a healthy thing. And if you don't feel that at all, you, you need to take something on. And it can be small. You know, you can start small. And it, or maybe you're doing something, you could just go a little deeper in it. Uh, if you're not serving, we would love to get you involved. And I emailed the ministers this past week and said, what are the pressing areas? I want to mention it to the congregation. They emailed me back, so I want to mention several to you. And if you're newer to our church, you know, what would be ideal is to find a place for you to serve that you really love and it meets your gifting. Uh, and, and we want to do that. At the same time, sometimes we just have needs that do need to be met. And we really need you to just serve in those areas first. And so some people come in and it's like, well, I used to serve in this way. And so therefore I want to, you know, I used to be at this church and I served in this way. So therefore I want to do it now. And we're like, that's wonderful. And we want to do that. But we really have needs like right now. Is there any way you could serve in those areas? Let me mention several to you. First of all, valet uh, parking. Uh, this is a way of serving our senior adults at our church. And so they come, they don't need to park way away and traverse the parking lot, especially when the conditions are bad. So if we could have some folks who'd be willing to park their cars so that they can just come right to the front door and come in, that'd be a wonderful ministry. Uh, please follow up with Devin Knuckles. He's our minister of administration. You can find his email on the bottom of our new bulletin, and you can reach out to him and say, I'm interested in hearing more. Uh, also, greeters. We are in need of some greeters to, to greet visitors. So when visitors come, well, you need to help them. Like, here's, here's how the building's laid out, and here's where you go take care of the kids. And uh, we need greeters to greet, especially our visitors. So follow up with Devin if you're interested in learning more about that. We have a need with our tech team. Our tech team serves upstairs in the worship center, uh, worship service uh, with online streaming. And we have a great team. We're afraid we're about to burn them out, and we don't want to burn them out because we've got to keep offering the ministry. And the ministry is needed by people who are watching online and can't be here for various reasons. So if you'd be interested, willing, if you have any level of, of interest in that, please reach out to Jay Hill or Danielle Doyle. You can find Jay's email on the bottom of the bulletin as well. Uh, children's Sunday School. Uh, Jimmy Peck, our children's minister, told me they could use a few more helpers to assist the teachers and they could use some substitute teachers. So we're not asking you to be the primary teacher who's here every Sunday preparing lessons. We're just saying, would you be willing to come alongside a teacher or maybe be available as a substitute? Reach out to Jimmy if you'd like to hear more about that. I want to let you know about a ministry fair that we are offering on Sunday, September 12, in a few weeks. 
we're going to have ministry booths set up outside on the, uh, what do you call it? The area right outside the door here, like the walkway. And, uh, and you can stop by there, visit someone at a ministry booth, and learn about our ministries, and perhaps find a ministry where you could start serving. And so you could be looking out for that. Uh, if you're serving in all kinds of ways and you're feeling burned out, we don't want that. That's not good for you. It's not good for the church. And so come and talk to us if you're feeling overloaded. And, and we want to help you. We want to serve you in that way. You know? and, w- and one of the keys for not burning out, by the way, is to have the right motivation. And that raises the question, <clears throat> what was the motivation of this first church? Why were they willing to sell everything they had to give to the local church, to their church? What would possibly motivate someone to do that? And the answer is they were motivated by Jesus. Right? Listen to the verse we looked at last week, Mark 10, 45. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't merely teach them to serve one another. He served them. He's the King of kings, and he came in order to serve. Not to be served, to serve. How many kings do you know who come in order to serve? Most kings come in order to be served. How can you serve me? Jesus says, I'm here to serve you. How does he serve us? He lays down his life for us. He gives everything in order to serve us. And now he says, I want you to turn around and serve one another. So how do I get motivated to serve in the kids' ministry when it doesn't seem to be doing any good, I'm spinning my wheels, and they don't seem to listen to anything I say? Why would I keep doing this? Do it because Jesus gave everything for you. Why would I give financially? Why would I support the, the, the ministry of the church financially? You know, I don't even know what's going to happen next month. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, be able to do X, Y, or Z, or what's the economy going to do? How do I get motivated to sacrificially give money? And the answer is, you look at Jesus, how he gave everything for you, and you let that motivate you to serve and to give sacrificially. Say, why would I sign up and sign my name on a dotted line and say I'm willing to serve in this ministry? That's just going to mean I'm obligated to be here. As it is now, I can come if I want, don't come if I don't want. Hang out, sleep in, mow the lawn on Sunday mornings. Why would I volunteer my time? And I'm retired. I'm busy. I got a job. How would I possibly get motivated to do that? Well, you look at Jesus. And you say, he didn't have that mentality with me. He gave everything for me. And now he tells me to turn around and serve him and serve one another. And so... You know, last week I mentioned this idea. If you'll just give yourself to someone and serve them, I've said whether it's your wife or your husband or your children or a ministry in the church, you just give yourself, your heart will follow. And I got to thinking a day or two after I preached that, I thought, I wish I had added, you got to do it with the right motivation, right? You got to be motivated by, I'm doing this for you, I'm serving you because Jesus served me. It's possible for you to serve someone and have an unhealthy motivation. Like, I'll serve you, but I want some kudos for it. I'll serve you, but I want somebody to say my name up front and thank me, right? I'll serve, but I'd like to get paid for this, right? It's possible to serve with a motive that's not exactly healthy. So I'm going to kind of rephrase what I said last week. If you will give yourself to serve your wife, your husband, the church, ministry, your Sunday school class, and you're motivated by the gospel. Like, I'm going to give everything because Jesus gave everything for me. Then your heart will follow and you will grow as a disciple. That's what growing as a disciple looks like. And it's one of our expectations at Vista. Fourth, 
expectation is that you impact. Notice the arrows pointing outward. By impact, we're referring to the impact we want to have when we leave the campus here, the property here, the impact we want to have in our neighborhoods, at work, at school, and around the world. I want you to notice this first church made an impact. Look at verse 47. They were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This first church had favor with outsiders, favor with people outside the church. Why? Because their lives were marked by joy and integrity, and they were selling all they had and were serving each other, and the watching world was saying, this is weird, but we're interested. And they were preaching the gospel, and they were sharing, and they were doing personal evangelism, and the Lord blessed it, and he worked in it. And look at verse 41. Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The whole book of Acts is about the apostles making an impact for Christ. At the very beginning, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus gives them a mission. You'll be my uh, representatives, my disciples, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then you read the book of Acts, and it's a fulfillment of the mission. They are his representatives in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. By the time you get to the end, Paul is preaching the gospel in Rome, the ends of the earth. And so they made an impact. We are here today because they made an impact. And it raises the question, what does impacting look like at Vista? What do we expect of you when it comes to impacting? First of all, I want to mention four things. First of all, you live in a way that is winsome. You live your life in a way that is winsome. Say, where do you get that? Well, listen to Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So in other words, we expect you to live your life with integrity. If you're going to be a part of our church, a member of our church, we expect you to live a life of integrity, joy, uh, compassion, so that the outside world is, is at least intrigued, at least attracted. We expect you to do this online, you know, on social media. You live with integrity and joy. Uh, we also have an emphasis we, we talk about around here a lot, and that's biblical hospitality, that you're opening your, your, your house, literally or metaphorically, to your neighbors, to, to people at work. You're looking for ways to, to build relationships, serve them, get to know them. This is what we mean by living in a way that's winsome. Second expectation we have with impacting is you share the gospel with others. It's not enough to live out the gospel before others. You have to actually open your mouth and speak the gospel. In Romans 10, 14, Paul says, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? If you don't open your mouth and share Christ with a person and do evangelism, they will not come to Christ if they don't hear about it. They can see your good deeds all day long, and I hope they do. But your good deeds will never save them if you don't open your mouth and call them to faith in Christ. So we're all called to do the hard work of personal evangelism. And if you say, I don't know how to do that, I don't feel equipped to do that, we have classes to equip you and train you. Uh, let me mention two. The first one is on September 11. It's a Saturday. It's an all-day thing. I think like six hours. So you can come for one day and get trained. If you say, Saturday doesn't work for me, or I don't have a good attention span, I can't do it all in a day, that's fine. The very next day, Sunday, September 12, we're starting an eight-week class that meets here on Sunday evenings at 4.30, and you can get trained in how to share your faith. Uh, so third, we hope you'll invite others to church, and we hope you'll greet people who visit when they come to church. 
This is not a substitute for, an evangel for evangelism. This is in addition to evangelism. Because if you invite friends to church, when they come to church, they're going to hear the gospel. We're going to come back to the gospel again and again from the pulpit Sunday mornings, I hope, in Sunday school classes. We're going to keep coming back to the gospel. So invite them, and they're going to hear the gospel. And when you see people here who are visiting and they're looking around like, where do I go? Those are the people we need to really be. I know you got friends, and I'm glad you're connecting with them. And please connect with friends on Sunday morning. But also, don't just connect with your friends you know. Also, be looking around for the person who's kind of got that, you know, during the headlights look, like, where do I go? And go up to them and welcome them. Why? Because we want them to have a good experience. Why? Because they're going to hear the gospel. And if they're not a disciple, we want to see them become a disciple. And if they are a disciple, we want to see them get equipped and, and to grow as a disciple. Fourth, and finally, you, you can participate, we hope you'll participate in missions and outreach opportunities. This is how we impact at Vista, through missions and outreach. Uh, our church is very involved in missions. In fact, we've had people, multiple people, who have been called to the mission field from our church. So they were just members in our church like you, and God called them to the mission field, and today they're serving somewhere halfway around the world. And we celebrate that. These are our heroes. And our missions conference has been highlighting them each week. And we hope, if you haven't gotten a chance to check those out, we hope you'll go online and look at those. It's vgbc.org forward slash MC, as in missions conference. We have these flags representing various nations around the world to kind of remind us that it's about the world, it's about the kingdom, and, and to remember our missionaries and our missions organizations that are around the world. And I hope God continues to call people from our church. Who knows? God may be calling you. And if you feel a stir in your heart, come talk to us and let us walk with you through that and pray with you through that. Perhaps God is calling you to leave home and to go somewhere and to make an impact for him. We'd love to celebrate that with you. As I mentioned, these are our heroes of our church. We support missions regularly. It's built into our budget. And in addition to that, we take up offerings throughout the year, special offerings. Um, we partner with ministries. We partner with outreach organizations. Uh, we want to make Christ known. This is our mission. This is our goal. It's a part of what it means to be a disciple. And uh, perhaps you're thinking to yourself, I'm okay with the first three, but that fourth one, the impacting, I just don't know. That's just not for me. You know, I'm glad other people are doing it, but for me, I'm, I'm not quite ready. You know, I'm still trying to get my own life in order. Who am I to go tell somebody else what they need to believe? You know, and, and so you're not making an impact because you kind of have, maybe you have the mentality, like, who am I? Somebody else needs to do it, not me. And I just want to point out, aren't you glad Jesus didn't have that mentality with you? Aren't you glad Jesus was willing to leave heaven for you and take on the brokenness of this world for you and take on sin, your sin, on the cross for you. And he did it in order to impact you, to impact you for eternity. And people who have been impacted by Jesus and what he did for them at the cross are people who want to make an impact for him. They're people who want to grow deep roots and make an impact, just like that tree that we planted. Right now it's a small little tree. We want it to grow deep roots and we want it to make an impact. And just a couple days ago, Whitney said to me, you won't believe this. There was a bird in the tree. And we were excited. Like, the tree's functioning like a tree. It's not dying. It's housing birds. It's doing what a tree's supposed to do. Not dying. We're so grateful. Right? We want, we want the tree to function like a tree. And we want our disciples to function like disciples. 
right? We, we want you to live like a disciple. It's, a, it's an expectation. It's a biblical expectation. And so if you're not, the first question is, have you experienced God's grace and his forgiveness? Have you been impacted by Christ? Have you allowed Jesus to serve you through his death on the cross? Have you been to him and believed on him and trusted in him? If you haven't, today's the day. Look to Jesus and believe on him and trust on him and become a disciple. And then you'll have all the motivation in the world to grow as a disciple. A disciple who worships, who connects, who serves, and who impacts. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that Jesus left home, left heaven, and came here to serve us. We don't deserve it. He came here to impact us for an eternity, and we don't deserve it. But Father, we're humbled by it. We're grateful for it. I pray every person in this room, every person online, would respond to this incredible good news by believing and trusting in Jesus. And Father, I pray this will be what motivates us to grow as disciples, that your grace and what you've done for us in Christ would be the fire that that motivates us to grow. I pray for the person who's not worshiping. They're They're not committed to worship. I pray they take the next step and say, I need to make a commitment to worship. I pray for the person who's not connected. I pray they'll take the next step and say, I need to get connected. I need a small group of people that I know their name and they know my name. And I'm praying for them and they're praying for me. I pray for the person who needs to take the next step and start serving. That they'll say, I'm willing to, 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 to serve in an area of ministry and give my time. Even if it's a small amount of time, just taking the next step. I pray for the person who needs to start making an impact who needs to start living in a winsome way, looking for opportunities to share the gospel, looking for opportunities to invite people to church, looking for opportunities to get involved in missions and what you're doing around the world. Father, I pray our church would be like a tree, deeply rooted together, growing together, making an impact, a significant impact on our landscape, in our neighborhoods, in Colorado Springs, and to the ends of the earth, For your glory, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.